Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Hello and welcome to Minisode 38 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I'm his partner in crime, Andy Stewart. How are you, man? <laughs> I'm going to just keep trying these things out till I finally nail one. Yeah. But I'm okay. Good, good, good. So am I. Thanks for asking. How's your week been? What have you been watching? <laughs> well, let me tell you, Mitch, I finally know what POM means. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm glad I do. I'm very glad I do. Yes. I picked up the uh, third window limited edition blue of One Cut of the Dead. So, finally catching up with what has been the talk of the festival season this year, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, typically late to the party, but uh, yeah, finally glad I've seen it. And I, I fucking loved that. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, it's absolutely yeah. hilarious. Super, super clever. Uh, yeah, yeah, Incredibly it's... unexpected. Uh, I just had an absolute blast with it. And I can now see what all the fuss has been about. Yeah, we, we put a thing on uh, our Facebook uh, saying, or I put a thing on the Facebook saying that we were watching it and we just got this stream of people who replied either just saying action or palm. Yep. Uh, which is pretty much what I expected. Uh, anything else? Yep, I watched uh, Lee Wanell's Upgrade. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah this uh, was a big hit at Fright Fest this summer. Very much in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really, really loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah, I think that this is a really good one. It's one that I realised fairly early doors when I saw it that I was going to like it way more than I expected to. Because <laughs> it's not necessarily my wheelhouse on paper. Right. Uh, but yeah, no, I got into it really quick. Great stuff. So what did you like about it? I, I thought Logan Marshall Green was brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I thought that... Presumably the film didn't have a gigantic budget. Presumably not, no. But I think they do a really great job of future world building. Like when you see the kind of cityscapes and stuff and um, like the weird building that Aaron, the kind of scientist, blonde-haired scientist guy lives in. Uh-huh. I think all that stuff, I think it looks fucking amazing. I, I think like, it's, it's got the feel of quite a big budget production when it probably oh, absolutely, wasn't. It absolutely does. Yeah. And I know that there's Blumhouse involvement in there, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know how far that extended. But I, yeah, I, I was really blown away actually. I and I don't mind saying this at all, but I haven't really liked anything that Lee Winnell's directed prior to this. The only thing that I can think of that I remember him directing before this was in Series 3. Right, okay. Which I thought was like a perfectly serviceable entry into that franchise without necessarily being particularly compelling and not being particularly visually striking. Yeah. Which is interesting because Upgrade really is. I would absolutely agree. Uh, I think it, there is no moment in this film where it doesn't look sensational. I think it looks a million fucking bucks. I, I think that all of the kind of the fight sequences when he kind of engages and becomes the kind of super soldier, I think all that stuff looks and feels really kind of uh, kinetic. Yeah, and I really, really like exciting. The, his relationship with Stan, the chip that's in him. Yeah, I really like they've got a kind of kind of quirky back and forward that they do. Uh, that I really like, and I like that. I kind of really like the twist at the end as well. Yeah, I think it, uh, the whole thing works really well. This was uh, this was Boz, our mate of Little Pot of Horrors. That was his top pick from Fright Fest, and I think possibly of any film last year, he absolutely loved it. I thought it was fucking brilliant. So yeah. I'm with Boz on that. Yeah, um, I was blown away by it. Yeah, it's great. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Um, anything else on there? I'm sure that anyone who follows me on my personal Twitter will see that I have uh, foolishly decided to chart my uh, progress through all of Baywatch. <laughs> 
Yes, uh, which is now on Amazon Prime. Uh-huh. Um, so how... Sadly, not Baywatch Nights, however. Disappointing. Um, in which Mitch Buchanan moves from being a lifeguard to a private investigator. Fantastic. Yeah, he even goes down paranormal, supernatural roads like Kolchak. Amazing. <laughs> That's great. So, uh, for context, uh, how much of Baywatch is there and how much have you watched? I think there's nine series and Good I've watched fucking about grief. 13 episodes. Although I accidentally watched one from series two, foolishly thinking it was like episode three of series one. Oh, right. Okay. I was like, who the fuck are all these people? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but I stuck with it. <laughs> so, um, this is, seems like a weird thing to talk about at length, but um, how's, how is it going? How are you finding it? Uh, I'm finding it uh, incredibly dark. Really? Uh, yeah, it's a far more dark experience uh, than I remembered. There's been serial killers, drug dealers, kidnappings. It's fucking dark. Okay. Super dark. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Fair play. Fair play. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's so, about it. So yeah, it's at Andy Makes Stuff on Twitter if you want to follow that particular adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Join me, won't you? <laughs> um, I have a couple of things. Right, okay. What have you got? So uh, last Sunday evening... Oh, I uh, dipped into and watched the whole of um, The Strangers Pray at Night. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mind saying that historically I am not a fan of the films of Johannes Roberts. Yeah, you've been quite uh, clear yeah, on I'm, that subject with me in the past. In fairness, I haven't seen them all. Right. But mm-hmm. I've seen The Other Side of the Door, which I was not particularly taken with, and I've seen 47 Metres Down, which I must admit I like, actively dislike. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> I think that uh, basically I didn't know if The Strangers merited a sequel in the first instance. I Mm -hmm. think that it's like a pretty well-contained piece of storytelling, the first film. I don't know if it necessarily was something I would have picked for a sequel, and I also don't know if I necessarily would have handed it to him had it been me choosing. Right, okay. However... It was not. um, I would say it was not me, yeah. um, And I watched it anyway because, um, you know, I was pretty curious about it. And I would say that um, I still don't think that The Strangers needed a sequel. Mm -hmm. But I also don't think that The Strangers Pray at Night is as bad as I thought it would be. Right. It's okay. it's it's, uh, it's definitely it's my favorite film of his that I've seen so far. Okay. There's elements of it that I like and elements of it that I don't, and I think that the elements that I don't like, I don't know if they're necessary, but they kind of feel like very deliberate choices to mm-hmm. kind of move away from the original a little bit. Right. But I don't like particularly the fact that the three of them kind of talk to each other more and things like that. Okay. Right, um, okay. I, I, I kind of like that when when they were a little bit more kind of like this kind of lurking kind of entity rather than kind of fully functioning people if you know what I mean I know exactly what you mean and yeah, uh, yeah like it's just, it's got a few like elements like that that I don't like like there's like, characters make very silly decisions quite a lot of the time and I would find that inherently quite maddening but um <laughs> but but it looks really good and um I kind of I like the use of music in it. There's a lot of kind of like '80s balladry in it, and I sometimes at this point feel like that's a little bit shopworn, but it actually feels really good. Right. Okay. And this uh, there's a scene in particular um, surrounding a murder in a swimming pool uh, that's set to Total Eclipse of the Heart, which is really good fun. And uh, yeah, there's some really good like kind of nasty moments in it. Uh, overall, I would say I was a little bit cold on it, but it was certainly better than I expected it to be. Right. Okay. Well, that's uh, frankly glowing praise coming from you yeah i mean like it's, i'm happy to admit that i liked it more than i thought i would okay. definitely um i had a rewatch this week and again i'm kind of i understand that i'm banging this drum a little hard right now but um i spoke about another earth a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and films like that and i kind of went further down the mike cahill route uh who directed another earth he made a film in 2014 called i origins right which stars uh michael pitt um, who's obviously been in loads of stuff. Who's brilliant. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Um, and Britt Marling. Right. Who is kind of a 
often kind of co-writes these films uh, with these guys um, and often stars in them. And I Origins is, I think it's, I think it's an absolutely fascinating film. It's a little bit overwritten. Okay. I think that like uh, you kind of catch people saying things that regular humans wouldn't say, and it's kind of possibly a little bit kind of philosophical to a fault. But it's a really, really smart idea. You've basically got, I don't want to say too much about it, but Michael Pitt and uh, Britt Marling are these kind of researchers who are um, trying to disprove certain things by uh, looking into the evolution of the human eye. Right. And uh, basically it comes, he's kind of this kind of very much, he deals very much in facts and logic and reason. And he kind of starts his relationship with somebody whose beliefs are way more kind of spiritual. Sure, yeah. Um, so the first half of the film kind of follows the work that they're doing and his relationship with her and how they, they kind of jar with each other. Okay. The film takes an extremely kind of sour turn midway through. There's an event in the film that is unbelievably unpleasant. It's really horrible. <laughs> and um, But where it goes after that there's is I, so, so smart. And the ending is one of my favourite endings of anything that I've ever seen. Oh, right. I, just, okay. I think that at the end of the film is absolutely perfect. Sweet. Um, it is also, I believe... And actually, I didn't realize this right. when I was watching it, but if any of this sounds interesting to anybody listening in the UK, um, it's actually on Channel 4 this week. Oh, right. Okay, uh, when's that? It's uh, in the early hours of Thursday morning. Uh, it's on. A, it's 1.45am on oh, Thursday right. the 7th of February. Um, <laughs> what a skill, mate. Uh, yeah, I cannot recommend enough uh, getting that recorded or catching up with it on all four or whatever. It's... I, I think it's great. I understand why people don't, uh-huh. but I think it's I think it's really good. Go to your bed at half six, get up and watch it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, that's just about it for me. Um, I've seen some stuff in the cinema, but it's not really kind of it's not right. really fit for this. But anything else you want to touch on? One thing that just popped into my head about Upgrade, which I found a little bit jarring and uh, I struggled with the most, was that the lead character's name is Grey Trace. Yes, I hate that also. That's incredibly silly to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just before I move away from Upgrade, I just wanted to quickly talk about Lee Winnell. Oh, yeah. Some interesting news about him this week, which uh, I'd be interested in hearing people's thoughts on. So it came out that he's now going to be working with, I believe, with Blumhouse in association with Universal. Okay. To uh, make a new uh, The Invisible Man film. Right, okay. Which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, that's interesting. And also that he's been tapped to write a remake of Escape from New York. Wow, okay. I mean, I would be more inclined to trust him with those kinds of properties post-upgrade. Yeah, oh aye, aye. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that's interesting. Both of those things are interesting to me. Yeah, but it'd be interesting to know what other people think about that. Um, yeah. 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 So, so, uh, some, let us know. Yeah, some pretty cherished stuff, getting the remake and reboot treatment there, so uh, let us know what you're making of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what just want to touch quickly on Conversations with a Killer, the Ted Bundy tapes. Ah, uh, yeah, a lot of chat about this this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the show that uh, forced Netflix to put out a tweet saying... Stop saying you fancy this guy. He's a convicted serial killer. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I thought it was quite interesting. I knew a lot of the story kind of already going into it. There was a lot of kind of courtroom stuff that I hadn't seen before. Um, but I did feel it was kind of um, glamorizing of Ted. Okay. And it painted him in a far more evil genius light than I uh, would, have preferred. would have preferred, perhaps, I see. Uh, okay. given uh, his proclivities and his crimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, it was very, when, like, when they're kind of talking about Ted escaping from the courtroom and escaping from jail, it's very much it's painted like it had this kind of feel of like a hero's escape. Oh, okay. Um, gotta which, watch, I think you, you yeah, kind of got to watch yourself for those yeah, things. Which I, I wasn't a massive fan of. And also, I don't think that Ted is particularly attractive, and I'm not a man who's afraid to say when he thinks a man is attractive. Well, there we have it. Yeah, but uh, worth a look if you want a peek into the mind of a true fucking madman. Yeah. 
certainly, certainly interesting and certainly one of the most narcissistic people you'll ever see in anything. Okay. And it does have some pretty chilling moments, like I say, some courtroom stuff that I hadn't seen before that left me a pretty unnerved. Right, okay, okay. Um, but yeah, uh, worth a look. Yeah, if, no, I do, I do have every intention yeah, of getting if to If serial it. killers and true crime kind of stuff is your jam, give it a look. Right. But uh, it's, yeah, it's a weird one. Okay. I have one more, but... I did fit in one more this week. For fuck, right, okay. I'm I'm busy, man. Are you even halfway yet? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm past the halfway point, I think. All oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. I actually, like, I, it occurred to me while I was watching this week's one that I haven't done a very good job of record keeping about this. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to go back and I'm going to kind of consolidate what's left. Sure, also update our letterbox while you're at Oh, fuck, yeah, I'll do that as well. Um, Wreck. Oh, this right, week. okay, brilliant. Yes, yeah, brilliant. Show. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, it's, it was a rewatch. Mm-hmm. I've seen it three or four times. I think Wreck is great. I love it. Yeah, it's, I think it's superb. I think the second one's also brilliant. Yeah, I have some pretty specific opinions about how that franchise unfolds. Because Wreck is brilliant. I think everyone, or most people, seem to kind of, even if you don't like found footage, uh-huh. I think you've kind of got to accept that it's a really good iteration of that. Did you ever see Quarantine? Uh, no, the remake. The remake. <laughs> yeah, the American remake with Jennifer Carpenter in it. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't see that. I must have. I'm, I have no real inclination to. <laughs> no, no, no. You're better just. I mean, for all the differences in it, you're better just sticking with it. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm, uh, no, I, it's great. And like I say, Rec Two is um, obviously picks up five minutes after the events of the first film. Yep. Uh, which is obviously centered around this kind of uh, rabies slash zombie outbreak in an in, apartment block in Barcelona. In an apartment block in Barcelona, yes. The second one, I think, as good. Yeah, it's absolutely tremendous. Perfect double bill. Yes, I agree. And the first time I saw Rec Three was in a triple bill where they showed the first two and then just rolled straight into um, Rec Three. A very different beast. A very different beast. Um, one that is way more polarizing than the first two, but <laughs> I actually have quite a lot of time for it. Right, three. Yeah, I think it's really, like, I understand why people, it kind of jars with people. I can understand, for one thing, why people out and out don't like it as a piece of filmmaking. Right. I understand that. I also understand why people don't like it as an entry into the series. Right. I've got no problem with it as a piece of filmmaking, and I think that it's a pretty good entry into the series. It's not as good as the first two, not by a long shot. But I actually think it's it's really funny. It changes styles in a way that I think is quite fun. Uh, Rec 4, I'm not so hot on. Yeah, Apocalypse. Apocalypse, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm um, not uh, a fan of that particularly myself, but I also wasn't a massive fan of Rec Three. Ah, okay, that's. I think um, that's that's totally fair. I think the the playing it for last thing jar- I found quite jarring. Totally understandable. Yeah. That's what I mean. I get why, but like, given what the franchise is, mm-hmm. I understand that completely. But yeah, Rec off the list. Go well, ahead. that's fine. At least you got one done, and I, I didn't have to intervene. No, 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 no. <laughs> there was no hostage taking whatsoever. This no, time. none at all. Okay, so. Back once again with um, a whole load of feedback. Yeah, and some. I'm going to just say it now. There's some pretty interesting stuff in here, and it's weird now that we're in a, a world, Mitch, where we, uh, as the hosts of this podcast, have been usurped in popularity stakes by a fictionalized character from a Mitch's pitch. Yeah, I think we should just do this first. Yeah, I think it's important we get. Ron Mince out the way because yeah. Ron Mince took off in a way that uh, I could not have predicted. Yes, we were not ready for this. So, if you were listening last week to the mini sode, you may have heard the winning listener pitch 
for Mitch's pitches came from uh, Tony Constantinou. Yeah, uh, also Tony sent us a photo of his uh, prize that he received uh, uh, by sending us a photo of an empty envelope. Which I really appreciated, yeah. yeah. Um, so the film was video dead. It was the video dead, yeah. I had uh, reappropriated it as broadcast news, which I thought was pretty funny, till uh, Tony waded in with the following. During his lunch break, a faulty canteen microwave causes low-level meat packer Ron Mintz to become inexplicably fused with his Rustler steak sandwich. Now possessed by the enraged souls of his meaty counterparts, Ron returns to the factory floor to avenge the deaths of his bovine brethren in the 1981 classic Flay Mignon. Flay Mignon, right, yeah. So uh, this went down very well to the point that this is the first time we've ever reread a winner's pitch on um, the following episode. But that is because pretty much everything else in the feedback section got roundly usurped by... By two um, words. Ron Mintz. Ron Mintz. uh... Who is Ron Mintz? Yeah, hashtag who is Ron Mintz uh, trending globally <laughs> uh, at this point. <laughs> um, Dr. Laurie McIntyre nodding goth on Twitter, um, correctly asserting, I think this might be the beginning of the cult of Ron. Uh, yeah, yeah, and rightly so, perhaps. Uh, yeah. yeah, I've got uh, Kim Morrison at Wicked Sister 69 saying, I feel Ron Mintz needs some fan art. Couldn't agree more. I would be absolutely open to that if there's any artists out there willing to put together maybe an artist's impression of Ron Mintz. Yeah, of a, if, if like you can a, imagine what a low level meat packer that becomes fused to a steak sandwich looks like get that done I would be very happy an identical guess who version of them would be fine for me yeah that's fine uh, film fan Stevie just this needs to go on a t-shirt <laughs> uh, Darren Gaskell getting in touch this week strong violent PC Monday Minnesota features all of the usual madness plus Ron Mintz <laughs> 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 yeah, um, a lot of people throwing around the hashtag who is Ron Mintz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, why is Ron Mintz? Why? <laughs> <laughs> um, Shakes the Shakes 72 um, with a callback all the way back to episode 4. Forget Ron, I've just discovered Guinness McFinn from the Rawhead Rex episode. <laughs> I didn't realise we invented so many fictional characters yeah, on this show. Yeah, straight from the Irish name generator uh, that is the mind of Duncan McLeish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, uh, a massive amount of uh, Ron Mintz love. Yeah, and I'm, I'm more than happy to keep that going. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite yeah. happy that Ron Mintz has legs. <laughs> <laughs> Even as a steak sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, a lot of the other feedback we're getting this week about Street Trash. Sure, yeah. Uh, big thanks to Melanie Light for coming on and joining us, talking yeah. about that one. But I do have something from The Lawnmower Man, Darren Gaskell, once again. I'd seen it previously, so I watched it again after the podcast. I buy into the theory about Pierce Brosnan's character. He's an absolute dick. <laughs> Enjoyed the film more this time around, even though it wastes Jenny Wright, who was always capable of much more than she's called upon to do in that film. Darren does not mix his words. He does he, not. He says it plainly. He does. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't fuck around. No, he does not. Um, you, you got anything on uh, Lawnmower Man or anything pre-Street Trash? Everything I have is Street Trash related. Okay, I have some other stuff, but let's do tra- Street Trash first. Sure, okay. Cannonballing in then with a doubler from Laura Bynan oh, yeah. at Bynan LV. At Strong Violent PC, cutting into my four-day Twitter break, paused your great street trash pod to watch the rugby. Watching the film with 2019 eyes is surely going to have its issues. We'll see how far its charm can carry it. Um, following it up, presumably after the, the watch, uh, saying, I have to say that I love street trash to bits too. Thanks so much as I showed it to many people in the 90s at uni. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cosmic Ray Girl on Twitter. Great film, but due to my pregnancy, the film made me super queasy. I won't be drinking Viper anytime soon. Hashtag, I also like to steal melons. <laughs> Interesting fact that they were originally going to call Viper Thunderbird. Oh, really? But there's an existing wine called Thunderbird, which is fucking revolting. <laughs> uh, get on that. 
<laughs> when you put it like that, I can refuse. Yeah. Dennis Extra Atherton. Oh, hey, Den. At Den's Beans. I remember hearing Roy Frumkus saying they turned up to the premiere in garbage trucks. Epic. That's true, Dennis. Uh, the In fact, the very garbage truck at the beginning that Fred climbs into is the actual garbage truck that they then turned up to hanging on to at the premiere. That's very cool. Yeah. 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 Have you got anything, Street Trash? Anything else? Yeah, Sheridan Knott. Ah, hello. At Knott, say get in touch. Street Trash makes a great double bill with the stuff and Body Melt. DVD Night Part 11, Melt Night. Now, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. That's a great selection there. I would say the stuff being the outsider in that. But Body Melt, great choice. Uh, and also freshly available on Blu-ray from 88 Films. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Joining uh, Street Trash in that. I have a little bit of general niceness. Oh, general niceness. <laughs> New person alert. <laughs> oh. Uh, Al Moffat at Moffat underscore Al um, at Strong Violent PC. Really enjoying the show, lads. Told my mate I was watching Blackula and he pointed me in the direction of this little gem. Head on to Al's Twitter and watch that back for yourself because it is insane. I do want to touch on one thing that we got that was really cool right. this week. So, friend of the show and friend of ours, uh, John Dickinson at Marvel Guy, got in touch. And, um, well, he posted something and tagged us in it. And uh, he's and I think it's worth a mention. Uh, they he said, also tagged an amazing company there with the, the Shortwaves guys and the, the Queer Wolf guys. and uh, Race Chaser Pod uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, Race Chaser. Yeah. Um, but he said, um, I made a promise to myself last summer that I wouldn't listen to my favourite podcast unless I was doing some form of exercise. He's lost £60 pounds since 60 then. 60 pounds and he looks fucking amazing. He posted a before and, well, not, not after, but certainly a before and work in progress photo. Yeah, and he, he looks fucking great. Yeah, so, and the very fact that we can assist him in any way on this journey that he's going on is just fucking lovely. And I would absolutely say, keep it up, man, because it's pretty fucking inspiring. It really is. It really yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, yeah, big thanks uh, to John for getting in touch with that, because that yeah. was a really, really nice thing to see. Yeah, absolutely heroic efforts. Yeah. Less heroic. Uh, well... Less heroic, it's my performance here. Uh, the Shake72 yeah. tweeted this week. Um, again, it was something we were tagged in alongside some other people. Um, he was basically just raising a whiskey to us yeah. and some other people. Now, I feel like I need to comment here because you replied to him. Because uh, I too was drinking whiskey. You were, t- you were also drinking whiskey. Um, uh, and I found it quite shocking that you had again shaved your beard. Um, uh, yes. You, you looked a bit like a thumb. Yeah, that's fair. But I'm finding it. Hairy a little bit scary at how much your beard has come back in two days. Uh, yes, it is regenerating at an alarming rate, which I'm very pleased about. It's frankly alarming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, that was the platform that I used to uh, unveil my freshly shorn face. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, a, bit, a big thank you to the Shakes, uh, Shake72 getting in touch there for that. That was also nice. Yes, We've had absolutely. a really nice week of feedback this week, actually. People but... are nice, Mitch. People yeah. are nice. It's time you accepted that. Let's <laughs> just stop being so inherently suspicious <laughs> of everyone. Um, I have um, a mountain of stuff still to get through, but it does all, of course, fit a certain profile. It is once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Now, for anyone who is unfamiliar, uh, if you were, the entire Ron Mintz thing that just happened is going to be really confusing. Uh, But Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. How do we do this, you ask? While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. The picture will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. Andy will have removed the text, taglines, etc., all that's left is a central image. Mm-hmm. We'll post this on social media everywhere so you guys can see it for yourself. My job will be to describe the image to the best of my ability and give it a title and a synopsis. Now, oh. we have recently, relatively recently, opened up the floor 
to um, listeners getting in touch with their own suggestions. Yes. Uh, This has uh, gone very, very well. Yeah, and uh, responsible, of course, for Ron Mintz. Yes, that was where Ron Mintz was born out of. Um, So this past week, uh, the film was Terror Train. Yes, it was. Which, uh, well done, Darren Gaskell being the first person to identify that. Um, I re- no prize for that either. No, no prize for that either. Um, I reappropriated that as one way ticket to hell, and we had a few other people getting in touch and reappropriating that also. I love this. I don't see these, so uh, unless they're on Instagram or Twitter, uh, so anything that's Facebook related, fire away. Uh, yeah, right. Um, so yeah, quite a few of these once again. So a big thank you to everybody who's getting in touch and playing along. Yeah, never stop. Yeah, the last image is on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook as well, so uh, you might want to take a look back at that. But Hanny, uh, Hanny underscore Ray, on mm-hmm. Twitter, getting in touch. Groucho Marx has snapped in this latest caper, The Train Track Terror. Anniversary, schmanniversary. Fun for none of the family. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, Cosmic Ray Girl, Captain Spaulding's Death Train to Nowhere. It's 1930 <laughs> and the Animal Crackers film is wrapped and the cast's journey home on the train takes a sinister turn. Little do they know that Groucho Marx's alter ego has flipped and he's become an enraged version of Captain Spaulding and takes control of the train. He's out for blood and his brothers need to figure out why. <laughs> It would actually it actually sounds like a Marx Brothers film. Like, yeah, I'd be quite into that. <laughs> we had a good job of that. Like. We went quite a f- uh, quite far down the Groucho Marx route, which is pretty understandable under the circumstances. Because the image looks like Groucho. Yeah. yeah sure. Um, Alison on Facebook, Alison Ordning, getting in touch, uh, saying, Groucho killer, schnoz of death. And the tagline, fucking brilliant, actually. You don't want to belong to a club that would have him as a member. <laughs> I think that's fantastic. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Mark Logan got in touch. Right, okay. Uh, now, Mark... I'm guessing this is going to be short and sweet. <laughs> Not exactly. Oh. Uh, he does have a tendency to go above and beyond. Right. This week is no exception. Cool. And this is his longest work to date. <laughs> so you're going to have to bear with me. Am I buckling in for this one? Strap yourself in. I've got a few of these actually this week, a couple of long ones. So Mark Logan. Tom Hanks plays the train conductor of a magical train heading for the North Pole in a Christmas story that tells of a boy who has reached an age where he's beginning to have doubts in the existence of Santa. I feel like I've seen this. Late one Christmas Eve, the young boy is lying awake waiting for the sound of sleigh bells ringing from Santa's sleigh. Five minutes to midnight, his room begins to shake and he hears a thunderous sound outside his window. This wouldn't even pass for a 30-second synopsis. The boy jumps from his bed and sees a train in the middle of the street. The boy grabs his robe and rushes out to the front door to look at the train. The conductor asks the boy if he's getting aboard. The boy asks, where are you going? To the North Pole, of course. This is the Polar Express. At the last minute, the boy jumps on the train and finds other young boys and girls going to the North Pole. That adventure begins on the train he meets lots of other children who've discovered who he discovers have all been persuaded to go on this midnight trip to see Santa. But on an arrival at the North Pole, Santa is not at all what they expected and is revealed to be none other than Billy Chapman, who's been resurrected by Satanists from Halloween 6. And he knows if you've been good or bad. Desperately trying to return safely to their home in time for Christmas Day, the children who have survived Billy's chopper and get back on the train as it sets off on its return journey. But the kiddies have a new problem, a deadly game of cat and mouse, fuck's sake, as the conductor is no longer acting like he's in the Green Mile, and the hot chocolate is rather too crimson, and far too much like a box of chocolates. Now he's wearing a Gritcho Marx mask, quacking like a duck, and doing the Hucklebug, and has traded his silver whistle for a bloodied axe. Who will survive and who will care, because let's face it, the most can capture is a bit shit. All aboard the Bipolar Express, no more Mr. CGI guy. Wow. Uh, 
that was a treatment. That uh, wasn't a pitch. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was that was that was hefty. Um, Good Lord, Mark Logan. Yeah, yeah. He's he's um, disappearing further and further down a rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> um, he's trying to get his uh, his own film projects off the go- <laughs> like off the ground here. That's what this is. That's exactly what this is. Uh, Michael Park. You're right. Okay. Sure. Uh, the wealthy and beautiful of Edwardian England gather in Paris on the tenth anniversary of their grand tour of Europe to commemorate the occasion with a luxurious train journey to Istanbul. (laughs) Things start to go awry when one of their number is locked in a compartment and beaten to death with a crystal decanter before having their throat slashed with a letter opener. Love it. Right, sure. The the doors and windows are locked tight and the rest of the party are picked off one by one at each stop along the route. The only other person aboard the train is the wisecracking Fredonian conductor, but surely he couldn't be responsible. It's 1978's Murder on the Gorient Express. Right, okay. (laughs) Very droll. Um, And Uh, finally, our defending champion, Tony Constantinou. On the first anniversary of the Sigma Phi Omega college fraternity moving into the long-abandoned Sodor train yard, the student body (laughs) is now becoming student bodies as as one by one they turn up dead. Could the stories of a disgruntled and heavily overweight yard supervisor stalking the rail lines be true? <laughs> Only with the help of a certain cheekily grinned blue locomotive can, stu- <laughs> <laughs> can student president Timothy Rubar put the- <laughs> Fuck off! <laughs> it's going to start that part again. Only could the story of a disgruntled and heavily overweight yard supervisor stalking the rail lines be true? Only with the help of a certain cheekily grinned blue locomotive can student president Timothy Rhubarb put an end to the corpulent killer's T-reign of terror <laughs> in 1989's poorly considered live-action Thomas the Tank Engine movie The Frat Controller. <laughs> the next stop is death. Please mind the gap when alighting from this life. Good lord! And with no small amount of relief, that concludes our listener submissions for this week. Well, I've got to say, amazing work across the board from everyone there. That was some sensational pitching. Yep. I am flabbergasted and elated and erect. (laughs) Fucking hell, okay. And uh, I'm sorry, but... I think and and Antonis Constantinou is going to take some beating. I think people need to step up to the plate here. Yeah. Um, because that was fucking sensational. It introduced the world not only to Ron Mintz last week, Timothy Rhubarb this week. <laughs> Can't really do it going forward now, or else it feels like it's kind of lost its <laughs> its powers. Timothy <laughs> Rhubarb though. <laughs> If he does it again next week, it feels like he's pandering to the crowd. That's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, so the frat controller. The frat controller, yeah. yeah. The frat controller wins, uh, and for the second week in a row, there is no prize going to Tony. Yeah, for the, the one thing that Tony has in common with the other people who submitted is that they've all won nothing. Yeah, so, yeah, it means fuck all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, moving swiftly on then, it is time for this week's. Yeah. Are you ready? I sure am. Okay, uh, here it comes. Coming your way right about now. <laughs> I really like this one. I'm really excited about this. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Good Lord. <laughs> wow. You're very silent, Mitch. Um, okay. Right. Okay. So this image basically has no background. That's correct. This image is all foreground with the exception of a blue hue. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, so what we have is um, a scantily clad woman. Uh huh. She's in uh, she's in white underwear. 
She is, yeah, yeah. Uh, High-waisted uh, 80s underwear, yes, I might add. Yes, I, ha- I, would, I will definitely be uh, time-stamping this in the 80s. <laughs> um, she has uh, long, free-flowing brown hair. She's kneeling, but she's kind of hunched backwards. Yeah. And the reason for that is that perched atop her chest is a giant insect. <laughs> it has, from what I can see, a minimum of six legs. They're thereby classified as an insect. Yeah. Yep. Um, and um, kind of long, spindly antennae <laughs> that are kind of uh, sliding kind of over her face almost. Um, it's got like a, kind of like a long network of interlocking wings and what appears to be like a kind of red shell across its shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Would you care to? Uh, I, I know you're no entomologist, Mitch, but would you care to say what kind of beast this is? What kind of beast is this? It's a cockroach. It's a cockroach. Yeah. Right, okay. Granted, its size. Uh... Yo, it's a little difficult. It is. <laughs> uh, okay, so she's being set upon by a giant cockroach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I will, as ever, need a moment to deliberate. <laughs> okay. Okay, I think I've got it. <laughs> just like that, we're going to move past what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> so that was The Sunshine Kid by Mitch Bean. Yeah, I did promise that I would write some Mitch's thinking music. And that's the result, and I find it very, very funny. Mm. I was struggling very hard there not to laugh. My uh, my uh, remit to myself when I was writing it was to write something that would sound as much like a walk through my brain as possible. <laughs> it's also kind of reflective of the way you physically walk. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> which I find quite charming. <laughs> but yeah, that's the sunshine kid. We'll be using that uh, to give me some time to deliberate in future. Yep, and and, and you're, you feel you're, like you're ready? Yeah, I think so. Okay then, let's go, let's do okay. it. Okay. When the steel mill he works for closes, Dean is forced to improvise to provide for his new wife Nancy and their young son Franklin. Sure. With times getting tougher, Dean resorts to desperate measures and finds himself on the wrong side of mysterious loan shark Locasta, <laughs> who is as well versed in ruthless brutality as she is in witchcraft. As, as Dean defaults on the debt, Locasta snaps and turns him into a giant cockroach, leaving Nancy to fend for herself and repay the debt before the curse can be reversed. Will she restore order and win her husband back, or will she have to learn to love a creature more beast than man? <laughs> Find out in 1984's Die on the Wings of Love. <laughs> Uh, no. No, okay. No, it's not. It's uh, 1988's The Nest. The Nest? Okay, what's The Nest about? Yeah. A biological experiment goes haywire when meat-eating mutant roaches invade an island community, terrorising a peaceful New England fishing village and hideously butchering its citizens. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. So 1988. 88. So I wasn't yeah. swinging too wild with the year. No, 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 not too far at all. Pretty far off the mark with everything else. <laughs> Charmingly so. Yeah. Um, yeah. As ever, we want to hear your suggestions. Uh, get in touch. That image is Everywhere. I'm dying to hear your suggestions quite Yeah, frankly. I feel like we've got a good one on our hands uh, this week. But that concludes Mitch's Pitches for another week. Yeah. So all that's left to do, I believe, is take a look at what is going on this Friday on the show. Incorrect, sir. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm going to cut you off there and do okay. some general housekeeping. Oh. General housekeeping. housekeeping. 
Uh, yeah, for everyone who's been asking, and there has been a couple, <laughs> so not everyone, the couple that have been asking, uh, the first episode on in March will be our listener's choice episode. Will indeed, yeah. yeah. So on next week's minisode, we will be performing the draw for the film. Mm-hmm. So that gives you one additional week to get your listener's choice suggestions in. As you know, we're only accepting those via email to stronglanguageviolentscenes at gmail.com because we're looking for longer thoughts. Am I right, Mitch? That's correct, yeah. So what we want you to do is let us know which film you would pick if you were a guest on the show. Now, we want to know how you came across the film, why you love it, why you think it's great, why you think people should give it a second look. Yeah. We have a previous guest coming back to talk about potentially your film. Yeah. Uh, get in touch with us. Like say, you've got seven more days to do it. We will be drawing it next Monday. Emails only, please. We want some longer considerations. Strong language, violent scenes at gmail.com. Worth mentioning the ones we've had have been, for the most part... <laughs> Pretty Excellent. strong. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of really, really good content. I think whatever we pick, it's going to be a really good time. Yep. Uh, but yeah, don't forget, get those in. Yeah. One other little thing. Mm-hmm. Thursday, the 28th of February, mm-hmm. we will be doing a live show in Glasgow. We will indeed. Yeah. We will indeed. Yep. We have a venue. We have a guest. We have a film. We will also have freebies to give away. And... There will be a bar, so you can get pitched. There will also be a bar, yeah. And uh, there will, of course, be a live Mitch's Pitches. <laughs> you better believe it! <laughs> uh, we're just firming up the last couple of wee things on that, but that is the date, and it will be early enough in the night that if you are attending Lords of Chaos at Glasgow Fright Fest, you can do that. Yeah, we're going to give yeah. you plenty of time to get from where we are to where you need to be if you want to catch Lords of Chaos in the opening night of Fright Fest Glasgow at 9pm. But we will be revealing a lot more information on that in the next few days. Yeah, we're so, just filming up the last little details and then we'll let you know every single thing you need to know. What's the space? Yep. You know what, Andy? You were right to cut me off. We had quite a lot of stuff to get through and I was going to blow right past it. <laughs> However, what's happening this week, Mitch? Well, we are, of course, back on Friday with another full-length episode. Yes, and we, are, yeah. we, once again, not to brag, have a guest. We are slaying it this year. She really. are. She is the co-founder and programmer of Slaughter Movie House. She's also the director of such shorts as Call Girl, mm-hmm. 42 Counts, yep. and my personal favourite, The Stylist. Oh! It's Jill Gavargazian. Yes, indeed. Jill's joining us and picking an absolute blinder. It's going to be fun. I think it's fair to say. Going back to the, the hazy days of 1997. It's a film that stars some pretty big names, it's fair to say. Yep. You've got people in there like Owen Wilson, mm-hmm. Ice Cube. Yep. John Voight, uh-huh. and Jenny from the block herself, Jennifer Lopez, it's Anaconda! Anaconda, what fun. What fun to be had, <laughs> Yes, yes indeed, you're quite right. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, this coming Friday, Slaughter Movie House founder and programmer and filmmaker Jill Gavargazian joins us to talk Anaconda. Yeah, she's also an actual hairstylist. She is also an actual hairstylist, yeah. She yeah. was quite adamant that we mentioned that. Yes, absolutely, as well we should. <laughs> So join us for that on Friday, if you can. Get in touch with us in the meantime. Yeah, a plethora of ways to do that, Mitch. There yeah. are indeed. Facebook and Instagram, we are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. Oh, yeah. And you can also, as we just mentioned, email Scenes at gmail.com. Sensational. Yeah. Great work. Where are we, Andy? <laughs> Let me see how quickly I can do this. We're at Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, Acast, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, and our home at Podbean. 
and many many more yep and you know what you can do just about all those places you can subscribe to us you can like us you can rate and review us you can even leave longer thoughts in the form of a review you can indeed and if you can't be arsed doing any of those things the other thing you could do is keep listening that'd be nice and also tell your pals tell your pals so Jill joins us Friday to talk Anaconda join us then if you can in the meantime don't forget that it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds goodbye That, that was me being an anaconda hey I got that Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.